Yo, 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 where do you think you're going? What do you think you're doing? You better chill out. You better sit down because the Our Success Podcast is about to begin. Welcome to another Our Success Podcast. Today I have a very special guest that I've been very curious about for a long time. Her and I have come across each other probably several times in the past uh, several months that I've been here in Reno, but we never had an opportunity to get to know each other. And she's a serial entrepreneur and I have such a g- exciting uh, feeling deep down inside to just get to know you, Rachel. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks. How are you, Ash? Really well. Thank you for making time for me and I appreciate the opportunity to allow me a chance to just chat with you. Absolutely. My pleasure. Tell me about you. Born and raised here in Reno? No, I moved here to Reno about five years ago mm-hmm. um, from Portland, Oregon. I am born and raised in Minnesota. Okay. And after college, started making my way out west and kind of bopped around major cities, Denver, Portland, San Francisco, and had an opportunity with my company to move here to Reno and planted roots. Decided I wasn't leaving. <laughs> How'd you find out about Reno? Or was it always on the bucket list? Because you've kind of been to a lot of the cities that I, I find very, very cool, both historically and also culture-wise. How, how come Reno? Yeah, so uh, Reno was happenstance. I actually, I, I had taken a job with my company uh, that I was with. I'd been with them for 10 years. I took a job in the Bay Area. And about six weeks in, realized that that was not for me. Gotcha. <laughs> Love the company, um, but absolutely not a Bay Area lifestyle uh, person. <laughs> so uh, pretty quickly, I started looking uh, for other opportunities, same company, but wanted to be able to live back in a, more of a mountain town, be able to experience the outdoors and a smaller community. And so I reached out to my old boss and just said, hey, what's available? And he was like, you can go to Reno or you can go to Boise. Those Ooh. are the two options for what you're looking for. Um, or come back to Portland. And so I, my best friend had actually just moved to Reno. So I went and visited and I was sold. I didn't realize like Tahoe was right here and I loved to backpack and hike. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was just kind of a, a no brainer. So you'd never been to Reno prior to that. You, did, you probably didn't know much about it either. Did you take a leap of faith nope. or did you do a lot of research? Oh, I took a leap of faith. I literally came out here for three days. Uh, my friend took me to Tahoe. We went and did a backpacking trip to Desolation Wilderness overnight. Uh, she took me to, uh, what's the casino that has the dollar PBRs? Uh, she took me to one of the casinos, which okay. I don't think I've been to a casino since I moved to Reno. Um, but she, and she took me to Silver Peak. That's okay. what we did for my time in Reno. Um, she really sold, sold you the dream. Yeah. I mean, the access to the outdoors is really what sold me. And full transparency, I moved here and I thought that Reno was going to be a pit stop one year and I'd head back to the city, um, either to Portland or to Denver, uh, figure something out. And the community here is actually what sold me and ultimately led to me leaving my company so that I could stay here and grow. Totally. I think so. In the first seven or eight months I was in Reno, I was doing five to 10 meetings every day. So I think I probably met 750 people face to face just in the first little while I was here. And from everything I hear, I think a lot of us get attracted to Reno for different reasons. But I think we all stay for the same exact reason. Because at the end of the day, when uh, my wife was like, hey, you've done everything you want to do in your life. How about we raise baby Claire somewhere I want to raise her? I was like, okay, where are you thinking? She's like, how about we go back to uh, the, uh, the where my grandfather went to university? I was like, like, where's that? She's like, UNR. I was like, never heard of him. Where's that? She was like, Reno. I was like, the mini Las Vegas? And she was like, oh, how dare you say that? Do not call Reno Las Vegas. You know it's not a Vegas. I was like, okay, my bad. Because she grew up in Apple Hill, so she was not too far from okay. here. Do you know where that is? I do. I love Apple Hill. It's great in, in, 
beautiful place. Yeah, for sure, especially for kids. It's such a good time. Uh, so we, we came up here a couple of times. We stayed in an incline village for a little bit of time. And, you know, Christy was just like, I don't know, incline village kind of feels like L.A. still. It's, it's still very similar cultures. I really like Reno because it's a big city. You get your Charles Schwab. You get all the amenities that you want, Ash. At the same time, I get what I want, a community, genuineness, that sincerity that I can't really find in New York City or L.A. or anywhere else. And uh, we just moved here. And I'm really, really, really glad we moved here just because just like yourself, a lot of people have been super kind to me and our family. And I just can't ask for anything better. I love it. The people here are so welcoming. And so welcoming. I found this connection that no matter how many years I had lived somewhere else, that depth, I just hadn't, I hadn't experienced that somewhere else. So. Oh, for sure. And especially for somebody like me, I'm a minority. I'm not a cool guy. I'm not necessarily always doing everything the right way. I'm just a kid trying to figure myself out. And even with all these mistakes and everything, everybody's always so welcome. It's like, oh yeah, come over. We'll cook for yeah. you. Let's have a barbecue. It's like, wait, what? Really? Wow. That's amazing. Now, I also know you as, as a spiritual person because I think you practice a lot of yoga. But what I also like about you is that you have that almost dichotomy that you're an entrepreneur, but you also have a spiritual side. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I found, um, I found yoga back in Portland, man, maybe seven, eight years ago. Uh, I was really struggling emotionally. I was struggling with some mental health issues. I was really struggling with loving myself. Um, I had put on a lot of weight. I wasn't really physically active. I didn't understand how to eat healthy. Um, and I just, I had evolved into this person I didn't really recognize. I was working 60, 70 hours a week and I, I didn't really know who I was. And a friend of mine. If you don't mind uh, me asking really quick, if you don't mind me interrupting, what do you attribute yeah. that to? Were you going through some life changes? Was it like, were you like, was it was just a bad environment or what was it? I don't think that I had really ever slowed down um, to understand what it was that I was looking for in life. I, um, a little bit about me, just background wise, I'm a first generation high school graduate. I came from a family that, a family of divorce and, um, you know, I'm the first one in my family to not go to jail and, and many other <laughs> firsts that, you know, I think sometimes we take for granted and um, I, I was raised by an amazing single mom who really taught me that, you know, here's a series of check boxes that you're going to live your life by. You're going to check them. You're going to be happy. Mm. And so I, I did that. I went to the good college, met, met the good boyfriend, graduated college, got the good job, got married. And it turned out that, that those just following those steps, they really didn't bring me fulfillment. And, and because in all of that, I really didn't value myself along the way. I didn't know really anything about myself or what sure. I was contributing to the world. I just got really good at working really hard. Mm, right. And yeah, and I think slowly but surely, I didn't build really great habits um, around self-worth and self-love. Makes a lot so, of sense to me. And I, I commend you because it's it's not easy to break away from that checklist, you know, because everybody gives you that checklist that you go do this, you can do this and the white picket fence and everything else that comes with it. But to break away from that, it takes a different level of self-awareness. Yeah. You and it's a journey. It's a journey. I certainly didn't break away from it easily. Um, yoga was a first kind of a first step in that. Mm -hmm. um, I had an, an employee who worked for me and he asked if he could take six months and he needed a really set schedule so he could do yoga teacher training. Interesting. And uh, that was not a thing that we would typically approve, <laughs> but you know, this guy had been with us for a long time and I really valued him. I'm like, yeah, do it. 
And afterwards, he asked me to come and take his yoga class. Mm-hmm. And there was chanting. And I remember sitting there like one eye open, one eye closed, like, what are these weirdos <laughs> doing? Right. Uh, <laughs> it was just the most bizarre thing. Right. But, but man, I felt, I felt this like peace and this vibration from the room and the people. Uh, he got me to go back again. I didn't feel judged for being overweight. I didn't feel judged for being out of shape. I didn't feel judged for being unhealthy. No one cared what I did for a living, what my title was, how much money I made. It felt so freeing. And um, in that way, yoga saved me. I say yoga in the mountains saved me. And um, yeah, that's kind of where my journey with yoga and a return back to what spirituality is for me today began. Good for you. If I can relate to that, here's who would be my best story. When I moved to United States of America in 2003 as an immigrant from the Middle East, I figured I'm probably not a very well-liked race and I have to work a lot harder to make sure I can prove myself on everything else. Back home as a Christian, I wasn't very welcome and then come to United States in 2003 right after 2011. I was shocked when the United States of America government said, hey, actually, kiddo, we want you as part of our team. It's like, wait, me? I'm not worth a damn. They're like, well, here's the thing. You can't rely on the government. You can't be on any subsidies, no food stamps for you, no Section 8. But as long as you can become an entrepreneur and at least make a million bucks or hire 10 Americans, we're going to give you a permanent residence. And for me at the time, the United States of America is like the Lakers. Like, you want me on your team? Like, really? No, no way. Right. I'm, I'm happy to do whatever I need to do. So I left my uh, I, I wanted to really become a rock star, frankly. And I just had a band and everything else. But I realized pretty quick I, I'm an 80s kid. Uh, I don't know if you're an 80s kid, too, or not. Yep. Okay, cool. So we all grew up with a lot of rock stars, right? So, you know, I just realized, all right, I, the hair's got to go. Like, I can't play the guitar anymore. This whole dream has to become a different reality for me. And that's how I fell into the tech world. But the problem okay. is, Rachel, you probably understand this. It's an addictive personality. And once you make a little bit of money, you kind of want more. When you want more, especially yeah. somebody like me who has a lot of ego, I fell in love with the tech world. And all of a sudden, I'm looking around like, Mark Zuckerberg can't code his way out of a paper bag. Of course we can kick his ass. Of course we're a better company, right? And it led us to make a lot of money. And we actually signed companies like Lamborghini and everything else that became our clients. But frankly, Rachel, I didn't know how to stop. All of a sudden, I turned 27-ish and I started losing my vision. And I started getting these debilitating headaches. And I started having slurred speech. And I started losing a lot of my abilities. Look at me now. I'm just telling you this and I'm getting goosebumps, right? So as I started kind of going through the medical procedures of what the hell is wrong with me? Um, after seeing 23 different doctors, they found three tumors or lesions on my brain. And after an entire year of being hospitalized between Cedar sinai and UCLA, they said, kiddo, like we honestly have no idea what the hell is wrong with you. It could be brain tumors. It could be multiple sclerosis, but we have no idea. We've never seen anything like this. Now, I grew up in Iran where Saddam Hussein was chemically bombing our towns. So maybe it had something to do with that, maybe it didn't. So I didn't know. Now, all of a sudden, as a scientist and an engineer, the world I had created for myself didn't make sense. I was looking down on my Bank of America app on my stupid smartphone. I was just like, this number can't save me. All the fans, followers, anything I've done, it can't do crap for me. And I started thinking about my, uh, my aunt who had left New York for a long while. She had gone to India for a spiritual uh, journey, right? And I started falling in love with Hinduism and Buddhism. And the more I started realizing about it, the more I realized that this virtual game I've been playing, it's such bull crap. Like it, uh, like, it just doesn't even add up. Like Alan Watts once said, it's like, number seven has never called you, has it? Is, number seven has never called you. Say, Ash, Rachel, how are you doing today? 
So it's a virtual concept, don't get me wrong, useful concept, but it's virtual. So if you attach yourself to this, uh, I was on the verge of taking my company public, but hindsight 2020, who gives a crap? Like it doesn't really matter. So I started digging deep da deeper down inside, like what the hell is life about? What makes me happy and how do I live a, leave a better legacy, I guess, for baby Claire, right? And that's where I think moving to Reno made a lot of sense for me because I was getting away from that tech industry. I was getting away from that, um, you know, keeping up with the Joneses almost in a way that didn't really matter, right? And it's sometimes yeah. I got here to town. <laughs> uh, one of the friends I had here is like, what are you doing with that stupid car? I was like, what do you mean? It's a car in my dream. He's like, get rid of that stuff. Like that's, that's not Reno. That's pretentious. Go get yourself a truck. And I kid you not, Rachel, I am so much happier with that truck. And again, don't get me wrong. That's why I admire about you. Those two planes of reality. 30,000 foot view, I live that very spiritual life that I'm just a kid. I don't judge anybody. I'm just a tree. My job is to produce oxygen. If you believe in God or universe, your own consciousness, the judgment is going to be done somewhere else. For me, I just need to produce oxygen. Whether you're Mother Teresa all the way to Adolf Hitler, my job as son is to still shine on you and your judgment is gonna come on its own, right? So that's the life I chose to live. And quite frankly, uh, I go back to Bob Marley's quote, I believe. He said, some people are so poor, all they have is money. Now I feel a lot wealthier and not more well-loved. And I'm just genuinely a, a lot more blissful with myself. And I'll leave you with this as a last thought in, the, in this uh, topic. This became my life insurance policy because obviously I won't qualify for life insurance. If I could do a favor for Rachel today, another one for Brandy tomorrow, another one for Joe Schmo the next day, if one day I'm not around, if baby Claire calls you and says, hey Rachel, remember Ash? I'm stuck on the 80 freeway. Any chance you could give me a ride, there's a higher chance that you might consider that, right? So that just became my lifestyle and I'm just a kid that likes to play with whoever wants to play with me. I love that. I like this idea that it's your life insurance policy. We say, we hear a lot, you know, a leader is only as strong as the legacy they leave behind. And, and how we define legacy is different for everybody. For sure. Right? Some people look at it like the acts of service or, you know, as it Mother Teresa said, people forget what you did. They'll forget what you said. They'll never forget how you made them feel. 100%. Maybe that's your legacy is how you make people feel. Um, you know, for me, I think a lot of that legacy, and when we think about value, right, like it was defined by money. Mm -hmm. monetary success and maybe that was because i didn't grow up with any money right, right. <laughs> maybe that's why um, right, totally. you know like, i spent life like okay i gotta like run this race to get this thing and then just it became you know I, I was married at the time and it became that like it was just more 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 i don't know if you can totally. relate to that but you know the house wasn't good enough the furniture wasn't good enough the car wasn't good we need another house we gotta buy a house in town we should be buying it was just more 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 for what? To what end? Totally. 100%. To what end? It's such a to vicious what? cycle. Yeah, totally. I, I remember when they told me, because at some point I cornered one of the doctors. I was like, look, I'm about to take my company public, man. Like, you, please, for the love of God, just tell me, how much time do I have? Do, am I going to make it or not? My whole thing was I wanted to become the next Bill Gates. I wanted to be that Elon Musk as an immigrant say, hey, you know what? Y'all give me an opportunity. Thank you very much. You saved my life. And I'm, I'm willing to work every single day to make sure I'm worthy of a damn, right? But then when I, they, they told me, one of the doctors like, you know, like, listen, I, I have no idea. I don't even know what to tell you. You might just have six months to live, or maybe if it's MS, you're going to have the rest of your life. But every year that goes by, you're going to lose one of these abilities that you have today. And I was sobbing in a park uh, in uh, Westlake Village, right across a Buddhist temple. And I didn't know it was a Buddhist temple at the time. And I was just crying. This older, skinny gentleman with a lot of beard all the way down to here came up to me. He's like, with a deep voice, kiddo, what are you crying about? 
And I looked up. I was like, sir, I'm dying and I'm scared shitless. I don't know what to tell you, to be honest. And he looked at me and he laughed, frankly, Rachel. He's like, <laughs> I think you'll be more useful dead than alive, don't you think? I just saw, I was just like, what did you say? Like, no, you did not just say that. And he was, I think he read it on my face. Like, whoa, 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 before you get weird on me, I'm, I'm a spiritual guy. You see that? That's a Buddhist temple. If you die today, what was going to happen? It's like, I don't know. My life is over. He's like, no, I disagree. I think if you die today, we're going to bury you. And then you're going to decompose. And then you're going to become fertilizer. You see those couple of kids over there? What if you could be the next molecule of oxygen for them? If you're not a human thinking or a pretender of a human being, you become a natural part of this ecosystem that we call universe, right? And you become that much more useful because you look around. Everybody has a purpose except us. A lot of us just run around in little circles ourselves and we're not necessarily doing what's natural to, you, to us. And that's exactly why I commend you because I, I, what I admire you a lot about you, Rachel, is that you're very vulnerable. You're very public. You're very open. You say, this is me. This is where I fall short. And I think that probably has a lot to do with the confidence that you've built with your, from yourself with, with, through that spirituality, right? Or no? Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with that and also just... There's got to be other people feeling that way, right? <laughs> and I think about I think about the loneliness and also the judgment that we cast on ourselves, and we don't feel like anyone else could be feeling that way. We must be crazy. <laughs> we must be crazy, and no one else could be feeling this. And then you feel alone, and that's a spiral, and that's a scary spiral. I just think there's a lot of power. You know, I'm loving hearing your stories. I think there's so much power in storytelling. Um, I've always been a believer in that. I want to learn from those who came before me. I want to learn from people's experiences. Um, if for nothing else, just to get to know humanity on a different level. Totally. I think, you, you I had, think there's just a lot of, there's a lot of power and vulnerability. hundred percent. And I think that's how I got a lot more attracted to you as a soul, because I think at some point, maybe six, seven months ago, you posted a very, very vulnerable post on, I think Instagram. And I responded to it. And that's at that point, I was like, I don't know. I feel like I've known this soul for 10,000 plus years. Her and I have only maybe met once or twice, but I think we've known each other from a previous life. Now, if you don't mind, let's transition that over to, to businesses because I want to talk about businesses. A lot of businesses are going through a lot. I, obviously, the food and beverage industry gets talked about a lot, but I want to also focus on some other businesses. How's your business Thank doing? You. Ah, so I own, I own a couple businesses here in town, um, and they're, they're doing differently. So I think that's something to talk about. Okay. Um, I, the company that I started a couple years ago when I left the tech company I was working for is called Wandering Wild. Mm -hmm. uh, we are a community-based organization, and we make our revenue through events. Okay. We're an events production company. <laughs> uh, turns out uh, I can't have events. So Wandering right now is in a really interesting place. Mm -hmm. uh, we're a business with not a lot of overhead, which is wonderful. It allows for us to kind of sustain uh, and, and not have to close our doors, so to speak, because we're a pop-up business. We don't have doors to close, right, which is sure. wonderful. Um, we are taking a pause right now because um, what we did was we tried to take our events virtual. Mm -hmm. We said, no problem, we'll pivot. And like a lot of people did in March and in April, we went into panic mode. And we know when we ideate from a, from a space of fear and panic and scarcity, it's like throwing spaghetti at a wall to see what sticks <laughs> totally. and you're doing everything. And the reality is you're doing it all a bit half-assed and you're not really doing any of it very well. Yep. And so that's what we did <laughs> um, in March and April and all along the way, it didn't something like I'm a, I'm an intuition person. I believe if it doesn't feel right in my gut, right. uh, it's probably not and vice versa. Um, mm -hmm. 
it never really felt right. I don't, as much as I connect through technology, I have never wanted to run a business through technology. Mm -hmm. I like human connection. I like gathering people. That's literally what we did when we opened our company. And so, um, yeah, we, we took everything virtual and it just, it didn't feel good. Yeah. So wandering, yeah, wandering's on pause right now while we kind of recalibrate and I'm okay with that. Um, we're creating some really cool new opportunities uh, for memberships and platforms to support other entrepreneurs. Okay. And that's where our, that's what makes our heartbeat. So sure. that'll be exciting. Totally. And um, we are opening a physical space, so we will have doors to open. And that's also very exciting. Um, mm-hmm. So we're really leaning into the space that we're opening this fall, getting that ready to go. Okay. And then I own a yoga studio, another space where people gather. And I, <laughs> two months after I opened it, it closed. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear. That's rough. What's your yoga um, studio called? It's called Yoga Hood, your neighborhood yoga studio. Okay. It's um, the former Midtown Community Yoga. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Ellie's a good friend, and um, she just didn't want to own the studio anymore. She wanted to really drop back into teaching. And so in January, my friend Heidi and I bought the studio from her. And, you know, then COVID hit. So we are right now, we're offering all of our classes virtually. We pivoted quickly. We went to a virtual model. And it's fine. It's working. We're serving sure. our community, and that's all we can do. But we're not growing. Oh, you know, sure. you can't grow virtually if you don't want to be a virtual yoga studio, <laughs> which we don't. <laughs> for sure. No, it, it's really, really hard to pivot and stay afloat. But also on the spiritual side, you and I are a tree. I've never seen a tree lose a branch and stop producing oxygen. You know, our community still needs us, right? I might go through a lot, but it doesn't mean that I have to stop doing what I'm doing. Good for you for doing that. Do you happen to know who Wesley McQuillan is? No. Okay, he's a gentleman right here in town. Very, very nice guy, very tech savvy, very cool. He's giving me a tour of this amazing virtual concept that I've never seen before. As a tech guy, I've never seen this before. It basically allows you to have um, almost like a gala, have an event, but it's all virtual, and it's not like the crappy 2D stuff. You actually get an avatar, you gotta walk it through this, for example, uh, this entrance, you gotta go check in, you gotta hang your coat, you gotta go find your seats, and everything else. If, If you would like to, I would love to put you in touch with them just in case there's an opportunity there. And I, believe me, again, yeah. as a tech guy, I like that human connection, right? So hopefully we can do this again, but in person. And I know a lot of things can't be just translated to that virtual world because we already live a pretty virtual world compared to our ancestors. Now here we are even going more virtual, which is fascinating. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if we're going to lose ourselves at some point, but that would be a different topic for a different conversation. But I'd like to put you in touch with Wesley just in case uh, there's something there for you to explore. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'm always I'm always interested to hearing what people are up to here in town. For sure. So what's what's next for you guys? I mean, both for the studio and also for Wondering Wild. What are you guys going to do? Yeah. So the yoga studio, you know, we're crossing our fingers that we'll be included in phase two or phase three. We're ready to go. Uh, We launched the yoga studio. We launched an online membership when we pivoted. And so you can get access to unlimited yoga seven days a week for 25 bucks a month. And so because of that, we actually like we're surviving. We're doing okay. We're employing and paying our teachers. I'm so grateful to the community for continuing and showing up for that. For sure. um, we're doing some yoga in the park um, that starts this weekend, so we can socially distance and really honor health and safety, but also start to bring people together and in small community um, to do some yoga. So cool. I'm excited for that, and we'll just see. We're just kind of riding the wave. Um, wandering wild is. Uh, 
it's my baby and it's so fun <laughs> to watch this baby grow sure. um, so the baby right now is the baby is growing it is uh, in the process we're currently creating some membership platforms that I shared and uh, I can't share much more than that right now but there'll be membership programs um, training programs uh, and events that we're able to gather both virtually and in person when we're able to do that again um, mm -hmm. to help entrepreneurs to support them in bringing their visions to life and to truly connect people um, so that we can learn from one another in an effort to inspire. That's really what it's about, right? We know if that fire is lit, mm -hmm. uh, For sure. that, that so much good can come from that. And so all of that will kind of culminate in the fall when we open our physical space, which is a new co-work and event space in town. Very cool. For those of you out there who are still listening, I'm going to drop a couple of links to Rachel's events and all the, the studio as well down below. I would love for you guys to show her some love and actually help support her if you can or you're able to. Tell me what you're hearing from other community members. How's everybody else doing? Because I know you're very well connected. What are you hearing from everybody? Yeah, I think it's a mixed bag. I think people in general right now, people are, are scared. Um, people are optimistic. So it's this interesting, right? I think we can we can all acknowledge that we're living in a bit of a dichotom a dichotomous world. Mm -hmm. I think we're hearing we're hearing a lot about the food and beverage industry. My partner owns uh, owns a brewery, so like I feel I feel for everyone. I hear it. Um, I appreciate that you're shining the light on on other industries because people are are scared right now, and you're giving a voice to the voiceless. Oh, for sure. Um, it's the least we can do. I mean, we just had a couple of doctors on our show too that they were saying that their private practices are closing and something that we don't even think about. Not at all. I was talking, uh, my ex-husband's a really good friend of mine and he, he works for a private practice. And mm -hmm. what he was sharing with me is they can open at 50% capacity, but their PPP runs out at the end of this month and he doesn't know oh if he'll be God. able to maintain a salary. And we're not, we're not thinking about that right we we're like oh that's a profession they're all we're always gonna need doctors we're not thinking about the hundreds of nurses that have been laid off yeah. thousands hundreds of thousands if you look nationwide oh, yeah. of nurses that have been laid off because we weren't doing elective procedures Absolutely. and so they're the impact the human impact i think this is and i'm gonna pause myself after this because i it is an emotional subject but the economic impact is something we hear it's human impact. We can't yeah. separate the two. Um, and I think we want to. That's one of those dichotomies we want to live in right now. And for people who are afraid for their livelihoods and are afraid for their businesses and their families, we're getting it's getting lumped into this economic mm -hmm, for impact. Sure. And it is, it's a human impact. And so yeah. what we're hearing right now is people are optimistic that, you know, things will go back to whatever the new normal is. Right. Um, right. And I think people are, are looking to learn how to pivot in a way that doesn't feel like throwing spaghetti at a wall. Oh, for sure. If I might consider, if you don't mind me considering myself as an American, because I've been a citizen for three, four years now, uh, what I would say about us Americans is that we're always very optimistic. I mean, we've had civil wars, we've had uh, civil right movements, we've been through so much and back, and we still are alive and kicking, you know? So I think that's one of the things I appreciate, but to your point, I can't help but to 
just have my heart go out to everybody who's suffering. I, I kid you not, Rachel, right now too, I probably spend one or two hours every single day to try to talk to kids from Sun Valley, to try to talk to everybody around because um, sometimes from time to time I get some really angry comments, right? And my, my strategy is always to try to uh, turn that uh, criticism into a positive movement. Like I, I don't do everything right, right? So if you have something against me or the government or whoever you have beef with, let's have a conversation about it. And also yeah. let's turn that into you. Like you have so much anxiety producing your own brain and you're sitting here, you're not hurting Governor Sisolak. Governor Sisolak doesn't know about you. Neither does Donald Trump or anybody else. But here you are stewing in your own mess. Let's help you out. Let's make sure that anger doesn't, God forbid, turn into something bigger, right? And to your point, like there's not a whole lot of things you could do for people right now except just to be there, mm -hmm. just be a shoulder for them to kind of cry on if they need to, or just be a friend, just be a good, genuine human being that I'm going to contact you and I've got nothing to sell you whatsoever. It's just a matter of how you doing, what's going on? Because again, at the end of the day, it's it's my neighborhood too. It's my block. If we yeah. let things go, I think a lot of us are going to suffer. And the truth is, right now I see mental health be a big issue. Like I cannot yeah. believe in 2020 in the United States of America, in Reno, Washoe County has the second leading cause of death amongst all our teenagers to be suicide. Yeah. And for somebody like myself, who unfortunately I attempted suicide when I was a teenager, uh, you know, long story doesn't really apply here but you know it's just something that I struggle with myself but I it resonates with me I, I relate with those people that feel they're trapped even though we're not because people sometimes I was talking to a gentleman today young younger gentleman about 26 years old very angry about everything he's like Ev nothing is going wrong everything's going bad blah 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 politics is this the right is saying this the left is saying that uh, I'm having child custody battles and everything else I was like with all the respect Let's look at that 30,000 foot view. To me, there's still just the perfect amount of oxygen everywhere. To me, the earth is still rotating at the perfect, perfect speed. Half a percent, just half a percent faster, we would have all gotten thrown off in the void of the space because there's not enough gravity. Half a percent slower that rotation, there's gonna be too much gravity where it's gonna get sucked in there. If the, if the sun even shined 0.1% hotter, we're not going to be alive. We're going to all either melt or if 0.01% colder, we're all going to die because there's just not enough heat. So for me, when you look, there's just enough insects and mosquitoes to make sure everything gets pollinated, all this beautifulness around us, right? But on the flip side of the same coin, there's just a perfect number of lizards and frogs to make sure we don't get overtaken by, by all this stuff. So I understand what you're trying to say, but I don't try to get caught up in the drama of being a human being. I want to be a human being, right? So when I go and meditate, I meditate in the morning and I meditate at night. When I focus on my breath and I go into that mode of being a human being instead of pretending to be a human being, I realize everything is fine. Everything is good. I can't complain too much. Does that make sense to you too? Yep. And actually, it's funny. I read, um, have you read the Yamas and Niyamas? Mm-mm. Um, it's, it's a really, I'll send you the book. Uh, Please. Yamas and Niyamas are the eight limbs of yoga. So the Ten Commandments, if you will, of yoga. <laughs> okay. um, and I was I, I open it up every day. I just open a book and just wherever it lands on is probably what I'm called to be reading about. Um, and just just today, when I opened up for my, my morning meditation, my morning practice, um, there was a, a piece from Swami, and it talks about Western civilization, Westerners and humans, mm -hmm. we spend so much time uh, thinking about how we're going to live that we actually forget to do the living. I so true. Um, 
so you know, we, we live here so much and I wonder what we could create as a community if we could spend more time living here and here. You mm-hmm. can't see, but the other one's on my gut. Um, you know, what could we create together yeah. if we could get out of our heads, drop into our hearts, drop into our guts, um, and, and not be afraid to do the work together. I think mm-hmm. that's the other piece right now is like, if we're not careful, um, we're this isolation for all the good that it will have on our health for mental health is a scary thing. Um, we we create a physical and actual literal aloneness for people. And, um, then we get into scarcity mindset of like, I have to protect what's mine. I have to protect my family, myself. Um, when really, if we could look outside of ourselves and promote the collective good, how much stronger could we be? How much more quickly could we come out? Totally. I, it boggles my mind that we're still not smart enough to figure that out because the trees have figured it out. A tree will never suck up more nutrition than it needs because they realize it. Is if I suck up too much more nutrition than I actually need, every other tree around me is going to go dry and they're going to die. And if everybody else dies around me, there's not collective enough force from our roots to bring the nutrition and the water up to the floor. We still yep. haven't figured that out yet. We're still like, oh, what about mine? I got to do this for me. I got a whole toilet paper, right? And it's such yeah. a weird thing because coming from a third world country, living in Iran where there was like war and nothing else, you, could, you couldn't have physically buy stuff. I grew up without milk completely. And I'm not trying to make this like a sad story or anything like yeah. that, but you just... There are certain things that you just don't have. Like the first time I walked through um, uh, like a Rayleigh's type in New York, I forget what it was called. I think it was called Kmart. When I saw the fridge with all this milk in it, I was like, wait, there's more milk than people need? How, how, how's, how's this all this stock? And nobody's buying these or grabbing these? They're not worried about it going away? And my cousin was like, you're still living in a third world country. No, there's an abundance here. And then I started dawning on me after the first 10 or 17 years I started living here. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of abundance here, but there's a lot of scarcity in here. We still pretend like we're, everything's so scarce and we have nothing at all, right? Yet we have so much abundance. My sister, I appreciate you so very much. I really, genuinely, I, I love your soul. And I, I hope one day there's a way for me to repay all these favors back for you. And I at least show you my gratitude for how much it, your, your soul means to me. Is there anything I can do to at least show a little bit of that? Uh, well, this is enough. This is more than enough. I appreciate the time to connect and, and just actually get to know you a little bit better too. I feel like when Absolutely. we meet, it's in these quick passing moments, but uh, I think it's the universe just saying we should probably hang out. So oh, for thanks sure. for making some space. Absolutely. As soon as everything opens up, I promise you, we'll, we'll grab some coffee or um, I, I think, do you, do you work for Black Mead or what's the... That's my partner's brewery. Yeah, Black oh, gotcha. Rabbit Meadery. Okay. I've never been there. Maybe if you don't mind, maybe you can invite me there one time. I'll... Heck yeah. All right. Sounds yeah, good. Sounds great. We'll do. Thank you again for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ash. Thanks for you all you do. Absolutely. My pleasure. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. Tribe, if you hear something from us that resonates with you, please share it with other people. Talk about it. Don't keep it just to yourself. Conversation creates more education. And also, always, always, always fact-check everything you hear. So hopefully, this creates more education for you, more conversation. Talk to each other. Talk to your family. Talk to your friends about it. And we will see you next time.